0: you want to jump into the show now yeah let's do the show all right you feel loosened up yeah you did some of these no i don't do any of that some of these all right welcome to the show this is pawns the podcast for the everyman gamer uh i'm matt and this is my buddy Corey. hi hi. guys this is Corey, and we're starting off a hobby gaming podcast show where we're going to cover tabletop gaming board games card games war games rpgs video games conventions sounds like we're also doing movies comic yeah, books
1: well, yeah well i mean those go hand in hand with the rest of those there yeah yeah we uh we're gonna make sure we are the show for the people who have limited time and resources uh both matt and i have careers we have families don't have a ton of resources don't have a ton of money don't have a ton of time we uh we're forced to make our hobby time fit into our timetables and our obligations
0: yeah so I mean obviously there's a lot of podcasts about the same topics that we're talking about. Um I think the one thing that we're hoping to set us apart is that we will talk about things from the perspective of busy people trying to like hold on to this hobby, you know, as you get older in life gets more complicated.
1: We're we're also going to try to bring a uh, a lot of news about these topics. We're going to try to stay on the uh, the cutting edge of events as they occur. Um we're going to be bringing reviews uh of the whole gamut of things we talked about, we're going to be doing reviews on video games coming out, the newest stuff dropped by uh, Games Workshop, the newest module Wizards is putting out for Dungeons and Dragons. We're going to try to maintain a neutral stance uh, towards the publishers and developers. I, I uh, was the one who kind of drew up the, uh, the thought process for the show, not trying to toot my own horn here. Um, when I go to a third party source of for information, I listen to a ton of podcasts. And when I go to a third party source, I want somebody who is as neutral and unbiased as possible. Now, I'm aware we're all people, we're all humans. Nobody ever gets down to zero bias. Nobody is that perfect. And we're uh, both Matt and I are fans of. Various different developers, games, etc. We're fanboys, but we're gonna we're gonna try to temper that enthusiasm for our favorites with a lot of objectivity and a lot of fairness in the news and reviews that we bring to you guys.
0: Yeah, obviously we have our favorites, um, but like Corey said, we're gonna try to be a little it's a little bit impartial. And I also think the other cool thing about doing a podcast is that as we go on, uh, we're gonna have the chance to look outside of our comfort zones and the stuff that we usually play. And, uh, try to, um, you know, looking for content to bring to you guys, you know, we'll, we'll look for stuff that maybe we we haven't talked about before. haven't considered. So, you know, you can listen to Corey and I, as we have a conversation about the new games that we find and what we think about them and we'll, we'll look for your input as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got a regular steady nine to five, which demands a lot of my attention. Um, I'm also a married father of three, uh, living out of state with, from the rest of my family. So you know, it's kind of up to my wife and I to do the childcare to, 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 to babysit right. our own children while, while also yeah, trying yeah. to, you
1: don't, you don't have a support network. Yeah,
0: exactly. While also trying to make the hobby work. Um, I'm just, I'm blessed to have a wife who understands the need for that hobby. Um, and is extremely supportive. So that helps out a lot. That's my situation.
1: So you, you mentioned the kids, you mentioned the wife, you mentioned a career, uh, what is your favorite hobby? What stuff are you? What are you doing right now in your hobby life,
0: man? I'm trying to do a little bit of everything, but obviously I don't have the time for all that. Um, right now, I, I've recently gotten into um, Games Workshop Warhammer 40k, but specifically the Kill Team. Uh, what do you call it? Like a mini game, subset game, or whatever.
1: Uh, the skirmish game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I find the the reduced scale of kill team to be a little bit more appetizing. Um, for example, I have the actual logistical problem of where do I put the physical models I would need to do the full war game? You know, there's only so much self shelf space in my house that's safe from <laughs> Toddler's Reach. So the the prospect of holding an entire army is kind of beyond what I can handle right now. But I find the idea of just having like a squad of infantry guys very obtainable not to mention the um you know the the cost of it is is much more easy to handle
1: oh yeah Yeah. much more user-friendly that cost
0: exactly so that's that's actually kind of on my back burner right now i would say my main hobby is dungeons and dragons i've got a steady twice a month group that i've been running since before the holidays so since before maybe like november somewhere around there
1: that sounds about right from what you told me. Yeah. yeah,
0: people that I met online, I I went out to Reddit and Meetup and a bunch of other like um you know like modern cl- classifieds and uh basically did like a first come first served basis and lucked out into this group of really um excited and energetic D&D players, some of which have never played D&D before, which is something I'd love to talk about, but having gone from like I'm used to like a weekly game to a biweekly is a necessity because i am so busy i can use that extra week to prep because i am running the game so that's what i'm about right now is i, I dm dungeons and dragons twice a month and uh stare at unpainted warhammer 40k <laughs> yeah <laughs> great Cory what, what are you into right now
1: well before we get into that let's say uh i want to go over my situation at the house matt already detailed his I'm also a working family man. Got a wife, uh, three kids, but they are the four-legged variety. So a little bit different level of uh, care and obligation for that uh, that situation. Uh, I also work in the medical field, high stress job, highly technical. Uh, my schedule is not a nine to five. My schedule is 12 hour shifts, three days a week. Good luck guessing which one yeah. it is each week. Yeah, my schedule is as unpredictable <laughs> as my wife is. Did she approve um, that line going in there? <laughs> She actually wrote that line, All right. so I'm All right. safe. I'm not in trouble. Uh, well, that's not true. Yeah. I'm probably in for something else. Though. Um. Well, yeah. If I'm lucky, yeah. My big love right now is Warhammer 40k. Uh, Matt and I know each other. We used to play Dungeons and Dragons together when we lived in uh, Wisconsin. As I just said, my schedule is not conducive to sitting down with a bunch of other people on a regular basis. So instead of playing Dungeons and Dragons, I've gone back to the Warhammer. Warhammer 40k. Play space marines got an uh imperial knights i'm working on and some dark elder i'm working on got a long history i played dungeon and dragons for years uh white wolf products the vampire the masquerade mage the ascension i i personally i consider myself a power gamer i love to compete warhammer it's easy to be competitive dungeon and dragons we you and i have discussed this Matt. it's it's not so much power gaming as it is optimizing optimizing,
0: optimizing. very important to do yep yeah
1: so I that's how I approach a lot of my hobbies is how can I get the most uh fulfilling gameplay out of the limited time I have to play.
0: Makes uh, sense.
1: So that's that's those are my hobbies. I play a lot of video games too, World of Warcraft, Civilization, so on and so forth. So that that's me. That's me. Warhammer. Warhammer and a little bit about everything else.
0: So that's Corey and you've heard me, but about us, like Corey hinted on, we met in 2015 at an open game table, like at games universe in Franklin, Wisconsin. It's an awesome store. I haven't been there in years because I moved out of state, but that's, uh, I was holding like a, like an open table game. Uh, And just again, happened to luck out where um, Corey jumped into an empty seat one day and I guess the rest is history.
1: Yep, yep. Yeah. I uh, That was the first time I had played Dungeons & Dragons. At that point, I think I had played one game, one terrifying game at my college. We've discussed that. We've got to go over and have a nightmare scenario episode here where we describe our most terrifying events we've been witness to in the hobby gaming world.
0: Absolutely, we do, yeah.
1: But yeah, that was, that was how we met. Sat down at a table, Matt and a bunch of other guys were playing. We got lucky that everybody pretty well got along. A couple weeks later, we started playing at Matt's house, so it was yep. great. Yep. Played for a year and a half or so.
0: Yep. And then uh, careers pulled us to other states. However, uh, so in addition to doing this podcast, we also play uh, games online together. And we also look at ways that we can get around the the difficulty of long distance friendship. For example, we looked into playing Kill Team on Virtual Tabletop on Steam, right? Yep. And I think it actually worked out pretty well.
1: I think considering yeah. that it was the first time or second time you had used it, uh, the software, first time I'd used it, uh, first time I'd played Kill Team, I think it did go real well, yeah.
0: I think so too. And I think, although what I really miss, because what I like about Kill Team besides how obtainable uh, it is and how easy it is to play, is I think Kill Team also really encourages customization. Yes. So I kind of miss, miss out on not being able to customize the models in a virtual tabletop situation. Yeah. But these are the caveats you got to go with to to get the game played, you know?
1: Yeah, that's yeah. totally It's uh, the shortcomings of the software of the uh, the medium you're
0: using. Yeah, that's right. But that's actually a topic for another show we should cover is virtual gaming. Absolutely. Oh, however, you can find it, because yeah. there's a lot of great options out there that I think really help people who are busy like we are. Yeah. Um, all right. So uh, in addition to that, though, we're also making plans to go to Gen Con this year. Gen Con Gen Con which is a huge deal for me um the last the first and last time I've ever been to Gen Con was the last year was in Wisconsin right yeah and I went on a total whim I didn't even really know what it was uh (laughs) and I ended up playing um they had like a Jedi Knight um which one it was the Jedi Knight's Jedi Outcast okay uh land tournament that was like the big thing now now you
1: just triggered the memories there it is yeah
0: yep uh and then i picked up some like board games and card games that i've never seen before uh very fond memories of just like walking the aisles and just discovering stuff and i'm really looking forward to doing that again this year
1: the wife and i did uh dragon con about five years ago now and that one i i know that there is gaming is part of the big focus but it's also a lot more of a like a social convention like a comic con yeah, my big takeaway from that was uh and you're probably going to laugh at me. We actually the wife and I sat in on Travis Walton's seminar. He is a UFO abductee. Oh. Um did you ever see the movie Fire in the Sky? No. Movie mid-90s. It was pretty decent. It's a good alien flick. All right? Um it was uh it was a strange story. I I don't believe the man is lying, but I'm not 100% sure that the man was actually abducted by aliens. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's a good, I like that that observation that, you know, he, he definitely believes he's telling the truth, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, Let's earmark yep. that for another show, though. Let's, oh, let's, yeah. You know, let's go completely, you know, off script. You know, we advertised ourselves as a gaming podcast, but this episode, we're going to talk about alien abductions.
1: Oh, you you don't want to open that can of worms with me. I'll sit here and start spewing Bigfoot facts at you. Facts in quotation marks there.
0: All right. We're losing I, uh, listeners. We're losing yeah, our... our <laughs> yeah, let me,
1: let me stop here. This is my other nerdery I get off on.
0: No, um, but yeah, just uh, we're open to talking about other stuff, too. It doesn't have to just be giving. No. Uh, so in extremely current news, though, Corey, what, what do you got going on? Uh, I actually just
1: wrapped up a 1500 point Warhammer tournament today. Awesome. Played 1500 points. Space Marines, three rounds, lost every single round. I <laughs> did.
0: Terrible. <laughs> did you have a good time, though?
1: I did. Uh, right. I uh, This goes back to my competitive nature of gaming. In those moments, I'm not super happy. Yeah. But, you know, I get a little bit of time. I get some distance. You know, another hour later, I get a belly full of food. Hey, I'm feeling great. I haven't played a game since November. I got to yeah. play three games today. Two of the losses were super close. Didn't give them away. My other loss, the big one, was against a guy who goes out to those yearly tournaments like out to the lvo the las vegas open sure he goes out to adepticon sure. so the fact that i lost big to him doesn't mean anything it just means i don't get to play as much as i want to
0: okay so uh i've never uh seen participated or even heard of 40k tournaments so you said it's 1500 points is that pretty standard for an army size uh that's that's a little on the light size Okay.
1: uh I think games workshop for their official tournaments is running seventeen fifty so that'd be one thousand seven hundred fifty points okay uh a lot of other uh independent tournaments will be the two thousand points which is really for a, a manageable game two thousand is about the limit uh you start getting more than that and games don't just take three hours they take four hours it's, it gets exponentially yeah. bigger uh the more points you do and it definitely becomes a hassle, anything over 2000 so I would yeah. even say 2000 is a hassle.
0: So the armies ran on the lean side. That's good. Yeah. But you did mention something. Um, it's limited to a single battalion detachment. I don't know what that means.
1: Oh, okay. So uh the way you build your armies in Warhammer 40,000, I'm just going to say 40K going forward here so I can save a little bit of time. Sure. Um, is you have a point limit. So in this case, it was 1,500. And then out of those 1,500 points, you're allowed to build... Different detachments, which have different rules depending on which detachment you choose. Uh, this tournament specifically was limited to the battalion-style detachment, which means you have to have two headquarters choices, which so that's like your two commanding officers, and three troop choices, which is just your uh, your standard average infantry troops. Um, mm-hmm. And from there, you can have an additional three troops, one headquarters. And then three of the other uh, categories of troops. So that's three elites, which are just what they sound like. They're your elite super troopers. Uh, three <laughs> fast attack, which is your fast attack, your guys who are quick and moving. Uh, and three heavy support, which are your big tanks and all that stuff. This has been a real controversial uh, decision by the local, the, the tournament organizer, um, yeah. both in the local sense. And I've uh, broached this on Reddit once or twice, and people really don't like this idea. It's it's limiting, and it was done on purpose to uh, invite newer players in to make uh, the playing field a little bit more level for new players. Okay, it just it forces the older guys who know what they're doing, who have built a ton of armies, to uh, think a little bit outside of the box as compared to what they're used to doing. It also limits you to a single codex, so you avoid a lot of what's called soup, which is where you're cherry picking. The best units from different codexes.
0: I, uh, I I never in like my wildest dreams would have pictured because even when I'm like going to the stores to play a little bit of Kill Team and I see people playing the, the 40k war game, I've never seen like two combined. You're talking like you're some people in tournaments play with like Space Marines and Imperial Guard yep. Adeptus Mechanicus uh, on the, in the same team. I, I had no idea that that was like even possible
1: it's uh, it's not just possible. It is currently one of the most powerful things you can do. It's the like you mentioned, the Space Marines and the Imperial Guard. Yeah, uh, that's called Imperial Soup because obviously those are all Imperial factions. Yeah. Um, there's somebody just churned out a massive, giant compilation of studying last year's tournaments and uh, the Eldar factions that can be what's called Soup together, all added together. The the Craft World, the Dark Eldar, and the Harlequins and the yanari those won that combination of armies any variation of that combination of armies won more tournaments than any other combination of armies
0: that's wild i mean it's, speaking as someone who like struggles with the, the prospect of even starting in 40k the the army game yeah the idea that like i would show up with like my one like i bought like the Tao starter box and the other guy across the table is busting out all these different factions. It's just he's,
1: he's busting out his Imperial Knights with his Imperial Guard, uh, what they call Command Point Farm, and all their indirect fire. Yeah, the, the new guy coming into this hobby, if the older, more experienced players are not putting on the kid gloves, you're yeah. going to force that guy right back out because he's just spent $100 and he spent 100 hours painting and his first game and he just gets... <laughs> destroyed and that breaks people's spirit and that's that's for the detriment of the hobby
0: so uh at least from i think our perspective i think we we think that this tournament limited to a single battalion is a pretty interesting setup i think it is i mean i get it; it's to bring in new people to the tournament scene which is kind of a cool thing for a store to do i think it just makes it sound a little bit more accessible which is something that i think games workshop still needs to work on i agree Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, it was something Kill Team is meant to assist with. I I know I I stayed around after the tournament long enough to listen to the the more senior guys talk about it. I don't think they're going to stay with the one battalion, but I definitely, I would, and I don't, I'm not a gambling man. I work way too hard for my money, but I would bet big bucks that we're going Mono Codex for all future games at this tournament circle so at the, at the store yeah yeah it's i i don't think they're going to limit us to the one uh, detachment the battalion but it is going to be if you are playing space marines you are playing only space marines cool and so, that's a good thing that's a yeah. good thing
0: okay cool oh for three would you do anything different
1: I'm thinking in my head right now. So would I do anything different? Yeah, there's a couple things. Uh, the two, the first game was just a wash. The player was more experienced, knew his stuff better than I did. He was real good, real high sportsmanship. So not an issue. I'm not. I'm not upset. The last two games were super close, and you always think about this afterward. You're like, if I would have moved that captain three inches to the right it would have been a different game and yeah there's there's a couple little positioning things i'd do differently so
0: okay yeah let me ask you this um i don't know what experience you have with other tabletop war games but i feel like and this is coming from just kill team though and i think i'm I'm going off script right now but i i feel like kill team or at least kill team isn't quite so nuanced with positioning as i thought it would be.
1: I think you're right. I think it's got to do with just the the volume of models kill team has. Uh you're looking at what a, a in theory an imperial guard kill team could be 10 guys? Yeah. Is that right? Where yeah. like 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 at 10 models compared to a game of 40k where uh the guard squad is 10 dudes and you're expected to have at least three of those squads if not more yeah i think i think movement and positioning is a little less nuanced in a in kill team i say that and then i go back and i think about our one game we played where i had dark eldar witches and i know the one thing i'd change is i'd give them the combat drugs to make them move faster so maybe movement is just as nuanced Mm -hmm. but i think positioning is a little less strategic in kill team just due to the the different volumes
0: of models interesting Okay, well, um, so there's going to be another tournament. Do you know like are they talking about it already or
1: oh yeah the the intent is to have this style of tournament this was the first one they had they want to do this every second saturday of every month cool so this goes back to our earlier points in my schedule i can't guarantee i'm going to make every month i'm pretty much done with space marines at this point i've been collecting space marines forever i've been trying to get my dark Eldar off the ground that's what i'm going to focus on i got some christmas presents i got to finish painting but i am going dark Eldar all the way because that's what won our tournament today was a dark Eldar army and i feel like i could have at least competed more effectively had i had a slightly more powerful army
0: really dark elder and kill team are fucking crazy dude i they, can't uh, get over their, their splinter what do they call it, like splinter cannons or whatever
1: the splinter weapons yep yeah yep. dark Eldar so are super powerful mono faction right now in the uh, 40k version too Yeah. Okay. Strangely, they've not suffered a ton of nerfs. Uh, I actually think uh, Games Workshop's development team should really go look at everything they got right with the Dark Eldar Codex and just start cutting and pasting that stuff into everything else because it's it's balanced, it works, and if you need any proof that it does work, just go look at the standings.
0: Do you think the Dark Eldar are like a more, this might be oversimplifying, but do you think they're kind of like a simple faction to play? Like they're pretty straightforward and high
1: okay, no. No, the Dark Eldar have always been this glass cannon faction. Mm -hmm. Super hard hitting, but not durable at all. And they've got a few uh few toys, a few tricks they can use to increase that durability. Mm -hmm. But they are very much a if you don't position this right, it's going to get wiped off the
0: board. I yeah, but I'm talking in terms of like the setup and like building a Dark Eldar faction. Oh, do you think absolutely a pretty clear-cut yeah uh,
1: so the dark Elder army kind of goes into like three different sub armies uh-huh. and uh, within a, a average game you can fit two giant chunks of you can fit I'm trying to think of the right way to say this you can take two of those factions and do two giant do a giant chunk of each or if you want to uh, kind of bend the rules uh, that's not the right way to say it if you want to be creative you can take all three factions and kind of have to limit yourself a little bit mm-hmm but all three factions working in concert. Ton of synergy. work really well together.
0: All right, man. I'm looking forward to hearing more about uh, tournaments then. Especially if you're going Dark Elder.
1: Yeah, especially if I can turn that uh, that terrible win-loss record around so far.
0: <laughs> you know, as long as you're having fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. That's good. Yeah.
1: But what's more fun than winning? Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the power gamer coming out. I'll tell you what's more fun than winning.
1: Yeah, the what chance, is it, Matt?
0: The chance to be creative. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh that's my um my DD game. That's that's the segue from my DD game. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm running, I'm hosting a twice a month DD game. What I'm doing differently this time around from you know when I played in college and uh you know back as a younger adult in Wisconsin is I have finally managed to um go almost entirely digital with my dnd setup. I don't use a um like a dry or wet erase map grid anymore. I use a TV. I turn on the table and I plug into my laptop and in, into that and run roll 20 for the battle map. I'm digitally inking. I, I, you know, I find maps online that I like a lot and I'm running them through Photoshop and doing some coloring on my iPad so I can add my own touch to them. I'm printing out disposable cardstock miniatures for bad guys. Cause again, space is an issue of my house. And I can't have a like tackle box full of minis that I'll hardly ever use, but I can hold onto like an envelope of collapsible paper miniatures. Right. You know, I'm running combat off of an app on my iPad, that D&D Fight Club app that I think des- almost deserves a show all on its own. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, uh, yeah. Terrific radio here. You guys just missed me nodding and that enthusiastically to Matt's. Yeah. Fight Club endorsement there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Fight Club, you you gotta set it up yourself. Um, wink wink. But once you get it <laughs> once you get it set up, it's uh indispensable. And I'm also using uh D D Beyond for my players so they can right. you know put their characters on there. Uh however, if I were a player, I would still be using Fight Club. I don't I don't know how, how these like the DD Beyond team hasn't like approached the Fight Club app creator to just bring them on board and make it official. So, so anyway, so long story short, is this bi-monthly D&D group, I'm, I'm really excited to have finally finally on completely digital um, and how much prettier, for lack of a better word, the game feels to play to me. Um, I don't int- depend entirely on having these visual assets, but I think it really does sort of evoke, you know, like player buy-in and it and just sort of like tickles the imagination enough to really get it going. So I'm really excited to share. You know, I don't want to make the podcast, you know, my part of the podcast about just recapping my D&D game. Uh, Again, there's enough podcasts out there that already do that. But I do want to use this podcast as a means of talking about like the creative process. I'd love to talk about the direction my game is going and like sort sort of like the director's cut, you know, like of a movie I would love to do for my podcast and just and just sort of share what I do for my game. And maybe that'll help. Or at least someone will find it interesting to listen to.
1: No, I I think that's a fantastic way to approach it. When when you and I first moved out of Wisconsin, we maintained our gaming group for several months. Uh, I was one of the DMs at the time. Uh, We were using Roll20, uh, and I was using the, uh, I'm drawing a blank on what they're called, the tile sets. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm the type of DM that likes to build his own maps, likes to, I, I love to hand draw maps. And the day, tw- the die the 20 system was, it was exhausting to use. It was difficult. I, I, I feel like it broke me at the time from digital gaming. You sense of showing me some of the image editing work uh, that you do for your yeah. maps currently. And I'm not, I'm not trying to heap false praise here. I, I am blown away by what you are able to accomplish with just a little bit of image editing. So I I think
0: I have the advantage of I'm not playing exclusively on Roll20. We're just using it as the palette. Right. Um, So I'm not totally reliant on it. Although we did have one session where we were going to cancel because of a snowstorm and we all just hopped onto Roll20 instead and had a stellar game. I'm actually like blown away at how fun it was to (laughs) like quote unquote telework a a D&D game. And I think it really helped that we were all we had, you know, we're, we're players that meet in person. So it wasn't quite as awkward as some of my experiences playing in a virtual D and D setup. But anyway, so that because I'm just using it to, as a surface to put the actual miniatures right. on top of, I don't have to worry so much about all the roll 20 mechanics, but yeah, I, I, I'm having a lot of fun just finding the tools that I like online. Like I haven't drawn a, a single map yet, but I do color them to make them my own and sort of do a little bit of touch up here and there, which has been a lot of fun. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's, that's my hobby right now is,
1: that creative uh, control over what you're doing.
0: Exactly. Yep. Yep. Having that creative approach this time around. This is a good opportunity to talk about the kind of subjects that we want to bring up in future episodes. Um, we already touched on like because both Corey and I have a lot of experience playing in, in public games. So we both have stories to share about like awkward encounters with people, um, <laughs> which is just kind of fun to share we've all just, been there. just
1: call it what it is called the nightmare sessions the horror stories yeah yeah <laughs> yeah don't don't um, don't sugarcoat this shit oh well, I mean, I, excuse me stuff
0: i don't know can we swear on
1: this podcast we can but then we get that explicit rating which is i mean that's why all the kids listen to stuff now right
0: right 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 i mean that's just gonna draw more people yeah <laughs> <laughs> all but three I, of them if we can put a uh constructive twist on that subject though we can talk about how we've dealt with those people and maybe even made um an improvement from it sure sure <laughs> uh. i don't you you have much
1: more higher expectations than i do yeah uh i just want to tell my story
0: <laughs> corey has got some tournaments coming up uh so we, we can go into like a deeper dive on uh why he keeps losing <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it'll be Corey's Excuse Corner, we'll call yes, it. <laughs> yes, yes. And why do we lose? Because power armor sucks. <laughs> That's right. It does suck, man. Even in Kill Team, it sucks.
1: Oh, third 8th edition is, is wrecked marine armies, yeah.
0: I already kind of briefly touched on it, but I would love to go into a description of how I found the people that I play with and uh, how software has really shored up my lack of time to host it. You know, like it's it's made like my time more concentrated in hosting a game. Um, and hopefully that'll help someone else out there in a similar position.
1: Right. And just as a, an aside here, this is obviously stuff we're going to look at doing stuff we want to do. Uh, obviously, I've got a, pro, a problem called Warhammer 40K matt plays a lot of Dungeon and dragons that's not what we're gonna solely focus on um for instance uh, both of us have played white wolf products in the past family mm-hmm. masquerade mage the ascension matt you did uh i don't say it what is
0: it called exalted you played a lot of exalted right exalted was my jam in high school and college yeah right mm-hmm.
1: and we we want to go over that because uh it wasn't too long ago there was a a a giant blow up that white wolf had to deal with in their uh I believe it was the uh, fifth edition guide to the Camarilla. Camarilla, You know, I'm going to go with the uh, the Vampire the Masquerade bloodlines pronunciation because that's canon. So, Camarilla, uh, and they had a a giant issue with how they framed the campaign of homophobia that is currently happening in Chechnya in our world. Mm -hmm. It's mirrored, as you would expect, in the world of darkness, and uh, that is something uh, we're very serious about covering. We're very serious about doing a good job on. So uh, that's not something we're going to half-ass it and just joke about. We are, we're intent on covering that kind of stuff as it happens Mm -hmm. on our schedule and doing a thorough, well-researched job and bringing as impartial a perspective on the issue as we can.
0: Yeah, because we are such big fans of White Wolf, but I think right now, if you talk about White Wolf, uh, you kind of do have to touch on this uh, Chechnya event.
1: The Chechnya event, the... uh, the I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, the alleged white supremacist dog whistles and some of their earlier publications. Mm-hmm. Fifth edition. Um it's really unfortunate. It feels like the people
0: uh manning White Wolf right now are not super socially aware of what's going on in the world. <laughs> that's a really good way to put it. Uh so yeah, that's the kind of stuff you can look forward to if you uh, subscribe to our podcast. <laughs> Please Please, please
1: download more than one episode.
0: <laughs> yeah um, And also uh, if you are uh, listening to this and um, and you have an idea that you you know something that you want to hear, definitely reach out to us. Uh, we'll put a our contact information in the show notes. Um, we do yeah. have a pawns Google account so can they reach us at pawns at gmail.com or
1: yeah it is the uh, the email address excuse me is pawns, pawnS the show
0: t-h-e-s-h-o-w at gmail.com so if you uh have something that you want to cover or feedback or input or whatever uh that's where you can reach us right now yep Mm -hmm. all right guys until next time hey thanks everybody good night good night